Welcome back to the Big Red Hunters podcast. We want to start by saying thank you so much, listeners, for taking the time out of your day to listen to this. We also want to say thank you to our sponsors who provide so much support for us. If you manage to kill that dream whitetail buck or maybe that bull sprig, check out Whitetail Classics Taxidermy, owned by Jody Schultz out of Louisville, Nebraska. Basically can put together whatever you can dream up. So check them out at whitetailclassicstaxidermy.com or his Facebook and if you want to talk to him today or book something, call him at 402-630-0031. Next up is Spores Wet Basement Solutions. Their services include water damage and crack repairs, landscaping, concrete driveways, grading, and more. Their recommendations provide solutions that are a long-term and not temporary fix. They do it right the first time. If you want additional information, you can check out spores.com or contact them at 402-476-8588. If you're like me and like to drive your wife nuts every season with a new duck or goose, call right, baby. Yep. Pretty much. Call, uh, check out B. Hoover Custom Calls. Brent Hoover out of North Pot, Nebraska is one of the best that comes around. He actually uh, got second at Best of Show at NWTF Nationals. Awesome guy. Personal friend of the family. Actually helped my dad harvest his bull elk. He specializes in wood, duck, and goose calls, turkey pots, dog whistles, and shotgun shell teal whistles. Awesome guy. Check him out at behoovercustomcalls.com. If your vehicle gets disgusting like my husband does during hunting season, (laughs) check out Dirty Devil Detailing. They do interior and exterior detailing as well as headlight restoration and more. They also are certified in glass parency and take anything from vehicles, boats, jet skis, ATVs, and motorcycles. The devil is truly in the detailing. They're located in Omaha, Nebraska, and if you want additional information, check them out on dirtydevildetailing.com. If you're like me and have taken a few L's here this early season and wow, 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 pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) If you're like me and taking some L's and you really want that perfect hunt with the buddies and just get out there and enjoy what's going on and have to worry about anything, check out the other guys' outfitters. They do an incredible job of uh, dry field duck and goose hunts. You can check out their pile picks on Facebook. And if you're wanting to book a hunt today, call Crager at 308. 637-7777. If you're needing some professional photography done, check out My Business Faithful Images. Our mission is to faithfully capture images of God's creation in time that will one day serve as a memory. We do anything from infants, couples, families, seniors, weddings, announcements, and more. Check it out at faithfulimages.org or on Instagram and Facebook. If you're ever sitting there during COVID and thought to yourself, I really need to get on that dream hunt. I don't know. What what's going to happen in life, but I need to get in that dream hunt. Check out Chaku Peru. He does hunts in the U.S., South America, and Europe. If you've seen some of his pics or videos, if you haven't, jump on his Facebook or Instagram. Has some incredible hunts and does some incredible things. Uh, check him out at chakuperu.com for more details. Our last sponsor is Redbeard's Custom Calls. They specialize in acrylic duck and goose calls. Andrew made me one of the a one-of-a-kind marble white and hot pink dunk call. It sounds incredible. It looks amazing. If you want more information, check it out on Facebook. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for the support, and let's go ahead and jump in the podcast.
Welcome back to the Bigger and Hunters podcast. Today we've got Andrew Gregory. How we doing, Andrew? Pretty good, pretty good. How about you guys? Oh man, it's it's uh, way too warm for February. I'll tell you what, but it, it is kind of nice. I'm gonna I'm not gonna lie. It's like sixty degrees here. Yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty cold down here in Louisiana right now. You guys still got a bunch of ice, or did you guys hit by get hit by that at all? We got a little bit of ice, but that was back towards the end of the season. We we don't have much ice right now. All right. Gotcha. Well, tell us a little about yourself. Yeah, so I'm, I'm from Lafayette. I live in Baton Rouge right now. I go to LSU, and uh, I'm studying wildlife ecology. Cause basically, I always told myself I wanted to make duck hunting something I could do year-round. And uh, one of the guys I'm from Lafayette with, Joel Morrow, he actually got me on a job with him and uh, his friend Logan Moe with Mallard Bay, and uh, I'm doing that right now. Well, that's pretty exciting. What uh, what is what is wildlife ecology like? I mean, like, what's your? What, I I don't even know much about it. Just explain what it means. So basically, I actually was in business, and I didn't. I knew that wasn't what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to change, and uh, I found wildlife ecology, and it's my second semester in it. And I kind of have to take still the introduction classes like biology and chemistry, but some of the classes I have taken, I got to take a uh, a ducks unlimited class. It was uh, the first semester they offered it, and basically it was like a certification class. And after I passed it, like, I got a certification saying I'm certified to, uh, I guess, manage habitat for waterfowl. And that's kind of what I want to focus my major on. That's what the classes I'm taking are kind of about. That's I, That's awesome. I mean, honestly, I think everybody would love and i mean anybody that waterfowl hunts to some extent likes the idea or wants to to manage their habitat i mean mm. everybody hopes that they get their whole bread and you know bread and butter honey hole and be able to manage it um what i guess for starters i'm just curious what is what is the habitat like in louisiana i mean i've been as far down as arkansas and i've, I've actually been to new orleans but i'm not gonna lie i didn't pay attention that well at that point <laughs> i was i was a teenager yeah. Yeah, no, it's it, it, it's definitely not like New Orleans everywhere, but uh, it kind of varies. Kind of north New Orleans, north New Orleans, north Louisiana by Monroe by Arkansas, they actually have like flooded timber and stuff like that. So as you work your way south, we got a lot of fields, a lot of sugar cane. Can't do much hunting that though, but uh, a lot of rice fields. That's what I hunt. That's what I grew up hunting. And then whenever you get real down by the coast, that's where the marsh is, and that's where I've done a lot of my hunting recently and throughout high school and college. That's that's some of the good hunting too. Do you, uh, when you're out there, do you normally have to hunt with a boat or is, can you wait out there? Uh, so the rice ponds, we just walk in and then in the marsh, that's, it just kind of depends. It's, it's weird. It changes by marsh, whoever's marsh here. And some of my friends, we take gator tails and some of them we walk in. Gotcha. It all just changes. I mean, don't you have to deal with like, is it, uh, is it Crocs or was the other one? And alligator? <laughs> alligator. Yeah. <laughs> It all just depends. Like on the hot seasons, that you can you'll see them, especially early season. We uh we did have one though. One of my buddies went to pick up a bird, and uh he wouldn't bring his dog with him. He was way off far from us, and we just heard him just shoot, shoot, shoot. We didn't know what was going on, and uh he came back and he showed us a video. His dog was sniffing around looking for a bird, and a big old gator jumped out and snapped at him, and he ended up having to kill it right there. Jeez. 
So, uh, a little clarity. Can, did he have to shoot the dog or shoot the owl? No, no, no. Gator, <laughs> okay. Gator. No. I was like, this was really going to go darker real quick. Because <laughs> I, no. I, I don't know. I was listening to a podcast a while back and I heard like somebody was talking about that and his his dog, yeah, unfortunately got ate by the gator. He just popped out yeah. of nowhere and just got him and took him under. And it that's an unfortunate. It happened. Yeah. For sure. I mean, I know, I know it's more of a Florida thing, but like, do you guys see like pythons? No, no, we got water moccasins though. Yeah, water moccasins. That. There's been, I've seen, yeah. a, I've seen a couple while I'm fishing in the in like the spring summertime, and there was one time I was sitting there fishing, just minding my own business, and I kept watching, you know, an eye on it, just see what it was doing. It just kept coming towards me, like just, just oh, kept yeah. coming, and like. I I wasn't paying attention for a minute. Next thing you know, it was like a good five yards from me, and I'm like, oh, I'm mm-hmm. out, and yeah. just took off. I went to a, like a totally different spot because I was not <laughs> dealing with that. Hard yeah, no, I, I'm not a fan of snakes. I, I don't let them hang around if I'm behind them. So back to the, the you know wildlife ecology, I'm just curious. Okay, so say you had a 100-acre property, and you could do whatever you wanted with it. How would How would you manage it? I guess I guess that I honestly kind of turn like where it is, you know, like what state, what location I'm in. So let's say let's say central Louisiana. You're, it's technically a rice field, but would you continue to do rice, or would you go like put other food sources into it? Honestly, we we, we talk about that at my place all the time. Every time we're in the blind, just sitting there, we always talk about that. And the way I always like to think about it is, if I could, I would try to plant the middle field corn and flooded if i could because no one really has that i know uh i actually know one person that had one of my good friends get a lease kind of right before the marsh and they're the only people i know that have planted corn and flooded it and they used to just shoot all kinds of mallards it was it was crazy for especially for a place in louisiana and uh that's 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 i think that's how i'd have to set it up not the whole thing i'd give them some some open water if i could but definitely some flooded corn if i was allowed yeah I have had I've had one experience with flooded corn. It was something that flooded naturally. Well, actually, I take that back. I've had two experiences. One was naturally, and we just beat the piss out of them. Oh my gosh, you couldn't. I mean, you couldn't even shoot them out of there. They'd come back. <laughs> the second one was our club planted planted it this year, and like we just didn't get birds. And I it, that that was just kind of the end of it. So it doesn't matter mm-hmm. if you have you know standing corn if. There no burrs. I mean, yeah. I guess you can yeah. look at it, and it looks nice, I suppose. But I, I think <laughs> yeah. I, I think I teal hunted there like once, once, and that was the end of it. But I'm just curious. It looked from our perspective that there was a lot of north winds, like in September, and we lacked water, and I think Kansas did too. But man, it looked like you guys just beat the piss out of teal. I mean, how is your teal season down there? I uh, I didn't get to hunt this year for teal season. But I know early season, early November, there were a lot of teal down here, especially in the marsh. There are usually a lot of teal and spoonies down there, but the teal were the teal were pretty much there year round. They weren't really in the rice as much this year, but they were in the marsh for sure. How'd your season go in general this year? Honestly, it probably wouldn't. Actually, I know it wasn't like our best number year, but it was for sure the best quality year I've had. We killed a lot more pintail than normal. Even though Lima was one, we had a lot of hunts where we shot, went out there with three guys and just killed three pintail, and that was all we had. And uh, shot, shot a lot more mallards this year, too. 
You look like you got a just question. Going to, oh, no, I'm just going to better spots and stuff. Just taking it in. Must be nice to shoot a lot of pintails. We they all flew right by us this year. It was a mess. <laughs> yeah, no, this just year was certain a mess. parts of the year that just started working really well. This was this was a year that just it. I don't even know how to explain it. It. Uh, I, it was just different than anything we've experienced before. And so, like, Jeremy Jeremy and I really went out of our way to try to find ducks. I mean, if you listen to our old podcast, we would just go on scouting missions for hundreds of miles and just not find snot. And they just, they split. They either went, some. I mean, there was a good chunk that went down central Nebraska, but a lot of them went down, you know, far, far western Nebraska or they went to, like, central Iowa, maybe a little western too, but... Man, they just zoom gone. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we uh, we over here just. I mean, if it's if it's bad up there, we kind of just had a bad season all year. But every year, me and some of my buddies, we we started three years ago. We went to Oklahoma, but now we go to Kansas. And uh, one of my good friends actually guides up there at Carter's Big Island. Oh. Okay. And uh, yeah, we we went up there and we met him stayed at his house and we we scouted and hunted public land for the weekend. It was it was tough this year, especially compared to the year before. Well, I don't think yeah, I think Kansas had a lot of the same problem we did. I think they had a lot of issues with water. Now, I think a lot of guys that reservoir hunt did decent. I, I would say decent, not great, but decent. See, I just think that all those early birds that came through in October that we saw for like a week, I think Kansas held those birds because those are like your seasonal birds that came through. They held them for like two weeks. But everything that, like, you know, late migration split us, I think, and just went, like, around us. I don't know. I didn't I didn't see a lick of the divers that I normally see on farm ponds. Mm-hmm. I mean, I normally see yeah. the pintails mixed in with them, and I don't – I never did see them. I never really saw the pintails <clears> this year. I mean, there was, there was one week – uh, like, a few days that I was starting to pre-scout for geese in, like, early December that I found them on a – probably like a 20-acre pond mm-hmm. that I is a big goose roost for us. But, other, I mean, there wasn't even that many on there. So, yeah. I don't know. It was kind of a weird deal. Do you guys get into divers down much or down there? Uh, Sculpt kind of show up and the occasional canvas pack, but you can go to areas in Louisiana, like some marshes that are just known for having divers. Mm-hmm. But I, I typically don't go diver hunting now. Shame. Shame, shame. <laughs> I'm just the marsh kind of the marsh kind of brings everything. It's variety when you go. Yeah, yeah. What it? I mean, what it? What's the size of your marshes in terms of like acreage? Because a lot of what we have around here, are like small marshes, probably like 100, 200 acres. I would say. Yeah. What What's the size yeah. of yours? So I I don't have a marsh property. I just go some of my different friends that do, and I know one of them. His is only a couple hundred acres, and then one of the other ones is like. 2,000 acres and one other one's like 4,000. It just, it just varies. So I'm from, from the sound of it, you hunt on a lot of, uh, like duck clubs kind of deal or leases. Yeah, pretty much leases. There's not, I mean, there's, there's public land down here, but it's, it's rough and it's few and far between. So everything down here is pretty much leased, especially once you get down in the marsh by like the Grand Chenier and Pecan Island areas, that's all leased. Gotcha. Okay, that makes a lot more sense then. Because I was, yeah, we've got we've got a decent amount of public land around here. I and we talked about on the podcast. I think some years 
they maintain them better than others. It just it it really depends. Like Nebraska, I guess Nebraska hunting in general is really based down to the fact of how much rain we get and if we hold water. If we hold mm-hmm. water, we hold birds. But if not, yeah. we get a dry year. It's just you might as well poo poo yourself. I'm really already. It's it's February. I'm nervous about next year, dude. I've already looked at the long term forecast, and they're not saying a lot of rain in the spring. Mm-hmm. And like you know how this, it's not. You've been great. seeing this. You've been seeing this. This play happen. Yeah, I think. Oh yeah. I think next year we're gonna hunt Iowa and South Dakota more. Probably. <laughs> like, I just can't. I'll lose my mind if I have another season like this, dude. You can't take the pain. <laughs> no, I can't. But. So let's let's talk about uh, a little bit of the long term. Uh, long-term hunting of Louisiana, like how was it when you were a kid to what it's like now? Yeah, for definitely for like me and Miley, so, uh, the rice fields that we have, that we've been having it for like 15 years. That was like the first lease I got in with my dad and we've been in there since and it pretty much <laughs> over the last probably like eight to 10 years just got worse every season. Mm-hmm. So you like, can just tell. I, I've got a buddy that his, uh, his uncle, I mean, he used to manage it, and he used to guide out there and all sorts of stuff, but he used to be in, I don't know exactly how to say it. It's basically Mississippi. Um, they're, like, right off the Mississippi River um, on the Mississippi side. And, they, I mean, they're just like you guys. They manage it just for ducks, and, like, it's a duck club out there. And we talked to them because we were down in Arkansas, and, it was a disaster. So <laughs> I don't know if you, uh, you listened to that episode and he, he invited us to go to their, their duck club. He's like, you're more than welcome to come out here, but we shot like, we've shot like 13 birds this year. So, I mean, what, uh, what part of Mississippi is it in? Uh, man, here, I'll, I'll try looking up, but. Cause one of my, uh, one of my good friends, we go hunting at his place. We went out there a few times this season. It's, it's the same thing. It's a it's a duck club on the Mississippi side, right on the river. It's in a Woodville. I, I want to say like right around Memphis. Oh, uh, okay. Probably yeah. It's by Woodville's by Natchez. It's it's like right outside of Louisiana. Yeah, I would say somewhere right around Memphis. Um, I mean, my buddy used to guide like on both sides and um that whole area. So. I mean, he knows yeah. it pretty well, unfortunately, and the Arkansas trip kind of went to crap, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Oh, well, I guess, but no, it, it sounds like, I don't know, it, it's kind of one of those things I, it's, it's been talked about and debated a lot about how Louisiana hunting has really, like, gone, gone downhill. What, from your perspective, what's, what's the cause? I mean, everybody wants to kind of go down the weather or the food path. What do you what do you think is going on? I honestly think it's from uh all that all that I've heard about how dry it is up in the prairie and then the nesting grounds. I, that's what I think it comes down to. I, I definitely don't think it's like the amount of people hunting, or I really don't think it's hot cropping either. I just, I just think nature takes its course with the weather. The weather is getting like it, it is worse. The weather has been worse, I guess, coming at different times. But I feel like it's just their nesting and their numbers for sure, in my opinion. See, that's the thing is I and go back to like the early season episodes of like our podcast. And I I said this early on is that they hadn't recorded duck numbers for two years. And I think the duck numbers are way different than what they actually think it is. I agree. And that we should have 
cut down limits. You know, I, that's the thing is I don't I don't really want to cut down the days we can hunt, but I would really like I would have liked them to at least decrease the limits just a titch. And I'm not saying like crazy. I'm talking like instead of a six bird limit, go down to like a five bird limit. Like not not crazy yeah. alterations, but at least enough to where we're not going to put ourselves in a big hole because I think that if we have another dry year in the prairies, we're going to be in a, for a big hurt this next year. Mm-hmm. I agree. I actually fully expect that there will be changes between now and next season. I could see it coming down the pipe real quick because with the indications of a potentially other, another dry spring in the summer, oh, man, we're going to be hurting bad. Don't say it. Yeah. Well, Don't I, say it. I hate to be the bearer of bad news here, Hunter, but it's not like... <laughs> Don't say it. Don't say it. I don't ever think that we'll get as bad as the East Coast, but it's... I don't know, man. During the 80s, they got pretty bad. Yeah. 30-day season. I don't know what y'all are hearing. I don't know if it's the same thing there, but it's just all rumors. But I've heard multiple people over here say they're thinking like 45-day season, three-bird limit. I guess Ooh, I hadn't heard that bad. I haven't yet. heard that either. I knew like there's been a lot of rumors going around that they're gonna decrease the amount, of, like the bad li- the bag limits, depending on like because I saw that going into the year that the mallard population was way down, mm-hmm. and I figured yeah. they definitely do species cut downs and then they do overall bag limit cut downs. But I mean, usually the teal bounce back and forth a lot, but I figured the teal would be fine. And they would decrease the bag limits to five, and they cut down different species that are hurting. Cause like, it's just weird. I mean, like, there's just certain years we see different species a lot. Like, a couple of years ago we saw a lot of spoonies. This year I didn't see squad of them. Mm-hmm. And like last year, yeah, I think uh, I think about the spoonies. I saw the thing about late season. I think everybody just wasn't saying it. They just weren't seeing birds. I think everybody was shooting the spoonies this year. And they were getting smart. I think they just left all. I think they all left with the teal. Could be because like, I, I didn't see. I saw one group once Big Duck started here, and that like they were just flying across those islands. That's all I saw. I, I really didn't see that many this season for what we usually get. Um, the other thing I didn't see a whole lot of this year because I think they went early was the Gadwall. And I crushed the Gaddies last year, and I just really didn't get see, into we, them this year. See that day or like that. Halloween time frame, we mm-hmm. saw like we heard a lot of gaddies like mm-hmm. right at early shooting time. We never really did. We shot a few, but but I can tell you what we saw around that period of time isn't. That's not what I normally see there at yeah. that time of year. Yeah, and so uh, it's all a guessing game, honestly. But yeah, I still sure. I still can't get over that picture you sent me from Osborne Lab. Of all their banded birds literally going down the river on the uh, east side in Iowa. Yep. And I, 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 well, just, I just think that's what has happened this year. Well, I mean, you got to think about this. Where was all the, where's the water? Exactly. There was enough water in those those ponds along the inter, or along the Missouri that that's, they just hop, pond hopped. And, well, and that storm that came through in October that we got a little bit of here on the east side, it got... Uh, Iowa got like seven inches or something in like a week. Hmm. They they were flooded for a while there, especially on the west uh, west central area of the state. You guys you guys got quite a bit of that rain, didn't you? I mean, how's your guys' water levels? 
Uh, that's what I was going to say. We watered uh, it's the other way around for us having too much water. Really? We have some where, yeah, our fields flood because the where we pump from just backs up and it's got nowhere to go. And then hurricanes really, really hit the marsh bad. It brings all that salt water in mm-hmm. and kind of kills everything in there. It takes a few years for it to come back. Did you guys get the brunt of that hurricane that came up or did it hit Texas? I can't remember. Which one? Oh, that's never a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> the Hurricane Ida, that was a big one earlier this year, this past year. That one, that one was pretty bad. It, it ripped the marsh up real bad. That's, that. see, like, that would just be so hard as a hunter is, like, you spent all this time and money to try to maintain something to try to, like, build up a population of ducks and then just, boom, like, in a day, it's gone. Yeah. Basically, some some of the, better properties out there, the ones that are down on the marsh on the coast, but people that can pump and get fresh water in, it just grows better vegetation and the birds just seem to like those marshes better. But when that hurricane comes through, it just puts salt water and everything. It just takes a while to get it back out two years. I feel really bad for what I'm about to say. Just say it. (laughs) So everyone down in the South doesn't like when those hurricanes hit and come through. But three years oh, ago, I don't say it. Three years ago, <laughs> I don't remember. I don't even remember the name of that hurricane that went through. But it, <laughs> the winds hit it right, and it came up into Nebraska. That was by far my best season because we had so <laughs> much water. Uh, that's terrible. I feel bad for saying that, but <laughs> like if they pushed, I if they, said we could figure out how to get our water up there. Yeah, exactly. That's what we need. <laughs> so just know next time, like your hunting goes to goes to crap because there's a hurricane. Just call us. We'll yeah, t- we'll take you out. Because <laughs> that year, like it was one of those times where like there was so much water that the birds staged in Nebraska. Yeah, and there were guys in Kansas like complaining up a wall Every, about it. Everybody south of us was complaining mm-hmm. that year and like where are the birds and actually we were what south dakota was to us this year yeah um because like yeah. that early november period south dakota looked like the entire migration was there um but a couple years ago that was us and i shot shot and saw more ducks than i'd ever seen in my life that year <laughs> now so what's uh what what's your thoughts on uh hot cropping i know you said that you don't think it's the issue i'm just curious because it seems like guys down south really really get upset about that <laughs> honestly i it really doesn't upset me like i just think the problem's bigger than that i don't think that's the main reason birds just aren't coming here anymore and i mean i know if anyone down here lives up there they do it see that's the thing is like i if like i would say i know a, a good amount of the the I don't know, the population of hunters in Nebraska. And I can tell you, there ain't nothing. <laughs> there no. ain't nothing in Nebraska that's flooded. I don't know a single person who does anything remotely like that in Nebraska like, or uh, north of us. Our for that club matter. did. And there's another club out in Tecama that does it. But they, I mean, they cut it and then flood it. They don't leave it standing. I know that there's a guy that's now doing it in like northeast Nebraska. I saw him. He went and, like, marketed it. But I don't think it's standing corn. I think it's just cut corn that they flood. But, like, I, it's not, like... The problem is, is that at some point in our season every year, it freezes enough that the birds get kicked out of it. Yeah. So, like... So, even if we did have flooded corn, I would say up here, on a normal year, 
of course, this year sucked. But, like, on a normal year, it'd be, like, Halloween, first week of November yeah. would be our hard freeze, and they would be out of here for sure. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I guess, I guess like, the weather is kind of warmer. It's coming later in the year or whatever. But right at the end of the day, if it still freezes, they're still not going to stay. That's just the way it is. When they can't eat it, they're going to leave. So here, I mean, here's where Nebraska used to be. All of our ducks used to be completely gone by Thanksgiving. My dad sweared by that. And all of our geese, it had frozen up so hard when my dad was a kid. And I mean, don't get me wrong, this was like the late 70s. But all of the ducks were frozen, gone by Thanksgiving. And all of the geese, everything was froze up so hard that the geese had leave by Christmas. That's what it used to be like. Now, this yeah. year, I like we haunt Canada's hard. And we didn't even get our push of Canada's until after Christmas. Well, wow. you guys have been shooting more lessers this year than you ever have. Yeah, I mean, we haven't even seen the honkers we normally get. Like, we get the, we've get the, we got the same numbers, but I would say a good third of them are lessers this year. And this is the, more, the most lessers I have ever seen in my life. Thanks. So if that just kind of tells you where Nebraska... Like, I've, got, I've had it explained to me like this. Like, the weather types, like, Nebraska is what Can- Kansas used to be. Mm-hmm. And now South Dakota is like Nebraska used to be. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's just, you know, working its way up the flyway, which is terrible. I wish it would change and not be that way, but. I know. But Don't we all? I guess, I guess that just means you're going to have to drive to South Dakota and hunt with us. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I think we're talking about going in October next year. We're going to make it like a package trip where I got a buddy who loves to fish, which poo on Brad because I don't like fishing. I don't know if and, that's going to happen. He sold his boat. Nah, he's talking about buying another one. Is he okay? Yeah. And then, how is he? Like, my buddy, he's a huge walleye fisherman. He takes like trips to South Dakota all the time. So I don't, I don't know what, what he he's got to buy a boat. Yeah, he'll have to. But we're talking about taking a trip. He could take his boat, and then we'd go uh, duck hunting in the morning, and then go pheasant hunting in the afternoons. Because I love, I, I, I enjoy pheasant hunting. For sure. So we're talking about doing that, so you're more than welcome. Um, now, kind of skipping a beat here, let's talk about Mallard Bay. Cause yeah, I, for sure. I think what Mallard Bay is doing is, in a lot of I, I I would say it's incredible. Like, the platform you guys are building and, like, what your intentionality is. So kind of explain what it is, and we'll go from there. Yeah, so the way it was kind of started was uh, my friend Logan Moe, he started it, and uh, – he started about three years ago whenever he was going to book a hunt and he, he just knew he wanted to go out of state, wanted to go somewhere north and he didn't know where to go. And he ended up going with some outfitter in Oklahoma and he said pretty much everything bad that could happen on a trip happened. They were supposed to hunt three times and they ended up only getting one hunt out of three days and they didn't get refunded. It was just bad. And they had their own uh, guide service down there in Louisiana. So he just kind of was figuring out a way like, you know, what, what can we do to kind of help other people not have this problem? Get people connected with good outfitters, and he came up with the idea of Mallard Bay himself. Mallard Bay is actually the name of the area in Louisiana where his guide service is. And uh, yeah, he started about three years ago and kind of just got the website right where he wanted it, got it launched. And I say about six, seven months ago, my friend Joel, he works with him. Joel contacted me because I'm big hunter, big big waterfowl guy. I follow 
everybody kind of in the industry, you know what I mean, on Instagram and stuff. And uh, they got me on board with them, and I've just kind of been doing the waterfowl thing for them. It's pretty awesome. That's I, that's a big thing is is that it's one of those things that makes it really easy to just go on there, pick a state, and then pick a, a reputable outfitter because like that takes that takes some of it. I mean, like when I'm talking about going to a different state, you think about going in asking for recommendations, and like you never really know what people on Facebook are going to say. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. And you kind of go look around and like, it's just, it, it's almost like stress. It is stressful in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. unless you for know sure. somebody that knows somebody, which obviously that didn't work out. For I was, me. I was to say like, that's the hard thing. Sometimes you may even know the right people yep. and you still could get burned, get burned. But obviously he didn't know that. Yep. The entire situation down there. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like a good case for me is like, you know, say Jeremy and I want to go to Kansas. I, I'm I'm assuming Carter Island's on there, which they completely, oh, yeah. they crush yep. ducks, you know. It's yes, like they do. I yeah. follow them and they, uh, <laughs> you, you know, you, you pull up Kansas. It's like you pull up a date and you're like, oh, Carter Island. Like, this is great. And then go down there and shoot some ducks. Yeah, for sure. And we definitely, we like to, be like friends you know partners with outfitters what we say because those we're, we're basically trying to take the phone calls out out for them get everything out the way get the bookings just to them so they they just look at their book and they got it right there for them and they can just manage their properties and do what they got to do for the rest of the year yeah i'm sure I'd, i mean i've never been on the guide side but i'm sure the the actual booking side of it's probably the hardest part of being a yeah. guide I mean, other than trying to get ducks in, but <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, making, making sure you have good hunts for your customers. But, but yeah, yeah with, that, with scouting and all that, those guys are just busy. They don't they don't want to be on the phone all day and send calls. So basically, we we post ads, we run ads for everybody, and uh, we get messages directly from the ads, and we basically set people up with the hunt they want, ask them where they want to go, what they're looking to spend, and get everything going for them. So what is it like? What's your day-to-day, uh, what's your day-to-day job with Mallard Bay? So we have an office here in Baton Rouge. We all kind of live here and, uh, go to the office when we can, because I got a class too, but when I'm in the office, kind of just checking different Facebook groups, kind of just looking through Instagram, all the social media and seeing if I can find new outfitters, seeing guys who I think would be a good fit for the website, you know, good outfitters and maybe trying to get in contact with those guys, seeing if they'd be interested in being on the website. Seeing kind of just where they're at, and uh, after that, just mixing it in with trying to get hunts booked. Sounds, I I feel like that would be something. Else. I I think I would like that. I mean, I'm the type of person I like to talk to people, just see what they you know they yeah. do, and get somebody booked up. So I, that that's the other thing too is it's a solution for not only the the guy, but it's also the solution for the customer. Which for sure. For sure, is it we uh, it, it, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. It's a, it, it's cool. Like you were saying, you like talking to people. I've, I've just like one second I didn't even know somebody. The next second I'm on the phone. One of the guys I actually got on the site recently. He's a, he's got his openings up. It's called Adak Island, and it's a really small island, like off the coast of Alaska, it's in the Bering Sea, basically. And he does like caribou hunts and the harlequin and eider hunts. Well, it's pretty awesome. I never thought I'd be connected with somebody like that, but now I am. 
Ooh, buddy. Oh, don't. You just. Ooh, you, ooh. you just. Yeah. yeah. Oh. oh, man. That. <laughs> huh. You just touched the love spot there. That might be a side <laughs> I look at someday because, dang, <laughs> that's, that's the hunt that I'm trying to do. I'm trying to drag oh, Hunter up there, too. I'm not like. I'm not a big game hunter, but caribou. Caribou. That looks fun. Shoot some Harlequin while we're there. Yeah, I'd like to shoot some Harleys. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, that, that one's. Everybody talks about Eider being their. their yeah. Top and Harlequin for me, when it comes to sea I think ducks. I agree. When it comes to sea ducks, I think about Harlequin all the time. Me too. Well, it's just like I feel like Harleys you can set up off the bank, and like I would enjoy being on the bank a lot mm-hmm. more than like the the choppy, and yeah, ocean, like off the coast of Alaska, and like I think you you can only shoot like one. I think it's two. You could shoot two kings. Oh, sorry, or, kings. Uh, I was still thinking Harleys. Yeah. Uh, I think it's two. Two. I don't know, but either way. So I, I went on a deep sea fishing trip and it didn't, it ended up with me chumming for eight hours. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little nervous about doing that again. <laughs> yeah. So sitting on the bank, that's, that sounds like more my game. So yeah, bring it, bring it back to it. I mean, so I, I run a small business with my dad. So like, this is the first question I have if somebody was to, like, I mean, I don't know if you've probably heard of Angie Leeds or something like that before. I don't know if you have Andrew, but it's kind of, it's kind of along what you guys do where you help connect business owners with customers. So my question, cause I, you know, my business, my question is, and if you feel uncomfortable answering this here, cause you'd rather talk to people on the phone about it, go for it. That's fine. Um, but like what, what comes to you in this process? What kind of fees or, you know, stuff like that for you guys? Yeah, so that's kind of that's kind of what our thing is. That's kind of what we think makes us different is we don't get any cut from the outfitter. So what you list your hunts for, say you listed for $500 a hunt, uh-huh. that's, that's what you're going to get. We just charge a fee on top whenever you're checking out. Kind of like when you're booking a hotel or something, it just says transaction fees. That's, that's what we get. And then, uh, it, of course, the only charge to the outfitter is a three percent fee but that's just because it's a payment with a credit card that doesn't come to us as a business owner that's music to my ears <laughs> so like, i i that's a that's good our big i'm not gonna lie you're a little sweeter than me i i'm just being honest i would definitely it'd be one of those things where i charge the outfitter like five or ten percent of the booking my thing is is that like for stuff like that it's the customer looking for the you know the the product if you will yeah so like they're looking for that i've always felt like it should be i mean i'm 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 saying it's a it's a positive thing i'm just i i, I don't want to say i'm greedy but i definitely would be yeah. i would do it i'm not gonna <laughs> lie i'm just, I'm just being honest <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. we just figured out it's the best way it works and that's just everybody seems to like that way well i i think that and in the to be honest with you, in the long run, I think that's a the best case decision because, really, I mean, c- no offense, but customers come and go. Like, mm-hmm. like for me, you know, maybe one year I've got money for a guided trip, and the next year I don't, or like I have kids and I just don't go on guided trips for a long time. But if you can really partner with good outfitters, you know, in that situation, you're not really tacking on the outfitter because, I mean, if you if you go down bare bones, say a guy that's listing a duck hunt for three hundred bucks. 
and you're hitting them for 30 bucks, like 30 bucks is 30 bucks. You know, if you think of the grand scheme of things, you got six guys coming out. I mean, that would be a good chunk of change out of the outfitter's pocket. And like at that point they start thinking, eh, maybe I just don't do this site. But in your case now yeah. they're, they're listing and they're, they're happy with what's going on. And it's just an all, yeah. it's an all out win. Especially for like in a situation where they have a pop-up like last minute cancellation and they just hit us with a text, you know, hey, we got this weekend, this upcoming weekend canceled. We can just go and put it on there and maybe run a few Instagram ads. And if it gets booked, that's a hunt that without us, I guess you could say, would have just been a canceled date that was open. But losing the $30 to 3% from the credit card fee, I mean, that's cash in your pocket. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's that, that's, a, that's a big win, I'm, especially for like, when I think of this, I really think of like conservation season. Cause like, yeah, you, know, you can yeah. really run a lot of guys in in yeah. your layouts or a frames. So, and that's the thing too is I feel like mixed groups are at their most relevant when it comes to snow goose season. Mm-hmm. Yep, we uh we're running snow goose ads right now, and that's kind of what we've been dealing with for the past week. Just a lot of guys looking for snow hunts, and we've got spots up in Arkansas, one in Louisiana, South Dakota, and I think. Nebraska and Kansas that still have open days. So we're running all of them, trying to get those days booked. I'm, I'm just curious, um, from your perspective, where are the snow geese at? Honestly, they show up. It, it's weird. As much as the ducks don't show up, they show up at, down here every year. So if I had to guess, I don't, I don't know if they're in Arkansas, but I know there's some down here for sure, a lot. Uh, they're... They were stacked in there when I was in Arkansas, and that was, was like, mid-January. I've already been seeing some clips show up of people already shooting them in Arkansas, so. Yeah. Yeah, That's what I heard this season. I heard that Arkansas was just stacked with geese all year. I mean, I know that, isn't the Grand or the Snow Goose Championship going on this week? Because it's opening weekend down there, or I guess the the 10th. I think the 10th is the opening day down there, so I'm sure they have the championships the first weekend or first couple of days. Yeah, probably so. Coming up for sure. It's, it's crazy, man, what they those guys end up killing. And I'm sure with the hatch, because they said there was a lot of juvies this year, I'm I'm guessing there's going to be some greasy hunts. We've been pushing a lot of people to try it. Whenever people just say, where should we go? I, I'm saying Arkansas right now for sure. Yeah. I'm kidding. My biggest thing is so we're we're just finishing up with our goose season Wednesday, which by the time I release this will be past. But we're talking about setting up our snow spread like probably a week or two early than we normally do because with the the weather it is out like <laughs> I mean it's like sixty degrees a day. The water's gonna open up. We're talking about opening up or or getting our stuff out there early because I have a feeling they're gonna push and they're gonna push hard in the next couple weeks. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I just feel like it's not done getting cold. It always does that to us, right? Season ends, it just gets cold, cold. Oh, I, I saw, I saw all those, a bunch of people from Arkansas and Louisiana the week after season ends, and it just we had that massive storm blow through. That, oh yeah, that ice storm, and I, I watched a lot of people complaining about it on social media, but at least there was like <laughs> youth and. Uh, uh, veteran, yeah. veteran seasons going on which I at least they got some action 
Oh. Yeah, we usually get a really, really hard for at least the last few years we have in like mid to late February, early March. Mm-hmm. I'd like to think that's going to happen again, but the way the the rate this year is gone, I don't really. I hate to think that that's going to happen. Probably it's so dumb. It's supposed to be fifty above fifty degrees every day this week. Saturday is supposed to be like thirty three, and then it goes right back up to fifty. Jeez. I mean, at this point, with goose season over, I don't really care. Yeah, right. I mean, honestly, I'm just, yeah. I'm just waiting for that spring thunder. Nah. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> gotta get the turkeys going. We gotta get snow geese first. I gotta watch. <laughs> See, that that's a problem down here. Is like down you down there, you guys hunt a lot of feeds, or for you, like you're hunting in rice fields. So like, you you run like probably a few hundred, you know. But like we're pushing like a two, probably two to three thousand like snow spread and they just keep flying i mean we'll get a group every once in a while to come down and play but by the time they hit nebraska they're really thinking about south dakota we're just we're just their side chick i mean really (laughs) (laughs) yeah no no one uh, i've never i mean i don't know many people that do down here even set up for the the conservation snows like the big spins that doesn't really happen down here but you throw out a good goose spread i've i've gone and done like a couple thousand i guess you could say one or two thousand but i mean you'll get them in flurries but none of those big spins like you see up north and stuff gotcha well i think that i guess my question is they're usually pretty spread out when they're down there with you right yeah kind of the area i hunt i mean they just fly all day and you can just see one big ball get up way over here one right here they just kind of move around all day doing their thing because that's the thing is when i normally see guys in like down south hunt I wouldn't say hunting them. They usually throw like a few snow geese out there, floaters or whatnot, and like the snow geese will come off in a small flock and they'll, you know, shoot a few out of their, their duck spread, but they don't really like try to hunt a feed really that much until conservation season. But yeah, for sure. I don't, I don't, I don't think I really, I don't think I know anyone that does like a big the snow spread all season throughout goose season. So do you, do you go to Arkansas to go snow goose hunting at all? I do not know. I've, uh, I've never been to Arkansas, just uh, Kansas and Oklahoma and Mississippi. But uh, some of the guys, we went, uh, I say we, I couldn't go at at school, but some of the Mallard Bay guys went up with uh, one of our outfielders, Southern Spec, and they went on like, I don't even know how many guys they had. I think like eight or nine guys, and they shot their spec limit in like 45 minutes with them. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <clears throat> Do you see that picture yeah. that was uh, floating around social media? It was like an 18-man spec limit or something like that. Was, yeah, I'm pretty was, sure he killed 31-man limit on open day. Oh, gosh. That's gross. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> if, any, if any limit needs to go up next year, it's speckle bellies because they they're everywhere this year. Yeah, yeah they moved up, up to three. It seems oh, like you guys just, did. It seems like every yeah. year there's, we see more and more of them. And the problem is, is it makes me so mad, is they always show up. Like, okay, either they'll show up like the week before we have this like weird cut and like, I don't even know why they do it. So there's like a cut in season for snow geese between like early January to like end of January, which once in a while you get one that'll roll in with the Canadas, which whatever, I mean. You know, it's why you don't shoot it. It's not that big a deal. But, like, speckle bellies mix them with those lesser sometimes, and it is a pain in the butt. And it's, like, mm-hmm. why why they split up the season, it, it just does not make any sense. And they all show up. 
when the season's close. It never fails. I'm sure the game in parks will be looking at that one pretty hard this year, <sighs> especially with how many we saw. Yeah. They, I'm sure their inboxes are just flooded with people complaining about it. You promise? I've, I, if you're complaining about it, yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so all we see is uh, specs and snows. No, no lessers, no honkers, nothing. See, I have to actually, thinking about that, I have to backtrack. A couple weeks ago, I said we never see speckle bellies this late, and we shot one the other day. Yeah. <laughs> so I got to backtrack. Because <laughs> normally yeah, no, they, they normally are gone, but we just haven't had any winter. They show up over here every year before the ducks, and they leave after them. I don't understand why. Well, that's thing. They, I think it's because they like rice so much. Like, they, specks Do they? Lo- love rice. They'll get in our field and they'll eat it out in one night for sure. Ouch. Yeah. That's a lot of rice. <laughs> yeah. So do you guys like do you guys try to roll specs in your rice field or do you guys like if they come, they we, come? We're, we're starting to. Like as I get older and I'm getting more decoys and stuff and getting better at calling. But down here it's it's weird. Like you gotta be you gotta be really good on the spec call to make them come in, especially because there's so many people that just hunt in our area. And the people next to me, like they can, they can call very well. So it's just like competition for birds, basically. Hmm. Yeah, I finally this year I finally broke down and I bought a spec call, and I sound like garbage, but I'm hoping by the <laughs> start of next year I can actually be proficient. Like I can roll the clucks, and I'm I'm trying to trying to work on some other stuff, but we'll see. That yeah, I'm not too bad. It's a Definitely difficult. What a, well, I guess, what kind of, or what brand do you use for call? I have a rice one. Are they hard to, like, hard to run? It depends. They got the, the cheaper one, the poly. That one's not as hard as the acrylic. The acrylics are harder to blow. Hmm. What do you run for a duck call, then? Uh, This season, I actually got a cut down. I have a Singleton LA. But then before that, I have just a double reed, just a local one, and a uh, RMT single read that makes sense yeah i see that's a problem is like people who can run those cut downs real well it sounds amazing but it takes so much breath and then the, usually the people that can run the cut downs can run those like rice on spec calls real well and i just i don't yeah. have, i don't have the breath for that so i don't know i've been bouncing back and forth on what i want to do but i might buy it. i've heard the pacific call the 503 is real nice and it doesn't take as much breath so i bought a like a cheapo primos just to like you know get started and then i'll probably buy that 503 from pacific and run it but that just like every other call when you buy cheapo poly it kind of sounds sounds really plasticky but yeah it also yeah i like it's it, i think it's got a like a titanium insert or something in it so it sounds a little bit louder so even though it's cheap poly it still still sounds pretty good yeah unfortunately what about you jeremy you gonna learn on spec call? Yeah. I'm going to do the same thing you're doing because when you get yours, you're going to give me that cheap call. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but. We usually, like, we get we usually get a few specs that hang around, like, opening day of duck season, so. I was going to say, I, I literally was sitting here thinking about that because I always see them for those, like, first two weeks of duck season here. Yeah. And, like, they're in season when our, like. See, here's my other thing, and I was thinking about this the other day. And it just hit me. I was like, you know what? I thought about buying like a four pack of really nice speckle bellies, mm-hmm. 
to run like an or my early duck spread because I was thinking there's like always specs around. I've been thinking about getting like six floaters, yeah, for the marsh because like actually it. I don't think it was this year. I think it was the year before. I took those six lessers that I have. Yeah, I took them out with me a couple times early just because they're dark on the back. Just hopefully they would pull in some specs, but there I don't know call. But I'm, I think yeah, I, I run a. I run our spec decoys right next to our duck decoys. How many, I mean, how many decoys do you guys run for your spreads? Over the years, I've started to run less and less and just try different things because kind of everybody that hunts the rice down here does the same thing. They just buffalo two circles and then load them up with decoys and leave them out all season, stuff like that. So we just kind of try to change it up, just run different size spreads, a lot of motion and stuff, a lot of jerk string and flutter and all that. And probably I'd say about three to four dozen and then i had probably about a dozen and a half spec see i found it very it's a lot more prevalent down south to run permanent spreads like majority of your guys up here unless I, for, I see people do it for geese but not ducks i really don't ever see it for ducks like and, there's a couple of spots off the river like that down like that to area that mm-hmm. like people run big permanent spreads but very rarely does anybody leave a spread up I was actually going to ask, do you, like, so you guys, you guys leave your spread up, correct? Is that what no, we used to when I was younger. And uh, as I got older, like, I guess I just got into hunting way more than my dad did. He uh-huh. just was bringing me hunting, bringing me hunting. And as I got older, I just, I started doing it myself. Okay. Because my, my thought, like, being in an area where everyone leaves out their decoys, <clears throat> I would be that person that would run, like, two or three dozen but not leave them out. Like, I just feel like leaving decoys out, birds get, I feel like they would get wary of that. I just don't. Yeah, that's that's, that's kind of what our whole mindset was this season. That's what we did. We tried to do everything different. Like we, uh, like I was saying, everybody just kind of like goes in and buffaloes, just circles. So we kind of went in and did some weird shapes and just threw spreads, kind of like all the decoys in the rice, just try to look real realistic and, I agree. I think we just had a lot of birds flying around the same area, and there's so many blinds where I hunt now. And those birds are just seeing the same thing every field they fly over. I'm cur- definitely weary. I'm curious. Have you ever tried running like uh, duck silhouettes out there? I have not. We always have too much water. Oh, okay. So how like how deep is your rifle field? Like probably like shin knee high. Uh, I'd probably say we like to keep it around shin high, but sometimes it just water fills up it'll get to knee deep especially with the rut some of those ruts are deep gotcha hmm. well that makes sense because I, I thought yeah. i thought about running like when we get one of those because like depending on the year like when it gets dry or like drier years like this year like your opening weekend they pump the water in so what they'll do is they'll pump it in usually like two or three days before teal season one of the biggest downfalls about nebraska like teal season if it's a wet year it's like ridiculous you can bring out as many guys as you want to and you'll fly water like I mean, you will still not shoot all the teal out of there it's ridiculous but like on dry years what they'll pump the marshes like three days before season and all of our teal just jump us and keep going mm-hmm. it Jeez. it really cuts down the opportunity which obviously is a problem but they then they repump them before big duck season but like usually like week two if it's a dry year, week two, it sucks. It soaks up so much water that yeah. I've I've thought about running duck silos, but 
I've never done it. My problem is I wor- <laughs> I just worry about the lack of motion with Stillos. Well, <laughs> sorry. Stillos, I'm thinking. If it's a windy day, it's lights out. Yeah, yeah I've never got the chance to run over Stillos. Have you have you ever like canned a goose hunted? No, but I mean we've we've been on like farm ponds where we've killed canners with mallards and stuff. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we 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 kill a lot of canners. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah, like, no, never, beginning yeah. of the season was really good, and then we went to Arkansas, and I I really wish we hadn't because I mean like the the week that we were gone was like perfect Canada weather, and then we got back and it was real slow and like it. It was it was a struggle, and then this last week they've just been, we've been raking them, mm-hmm. just raking That's them. Now Jer- Jeremy's over here, and he's he's upset. <laughs> I've taken him. I've taken so I I run with a few group of guys I've been running with for a long time, and Jeremy and I like got to know each other about like a little, a little over a year ago, and I've invited him five times, to- four or five times. I've I've invited you several times. How many times have you went? Three times I now? Yeah, I think I've been three times. So three times, and of those three times, he shot one Drake Mallard. Yeah. <laughs> I feel really bad. We went into that late-season goose, and I was like, Hunter, I'm going to be really free. You know, just text me whenever, and uh, I'll come. And then we just got slammed with work. Actually, last Wednesday, he was like, hey, can you go goose hunting today? I was like, nope, no chance. Can't get away from work. And they shot 11 that night. And I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> yep. So I was pretty bummed, but it is what it is. Sorry, Jeremy. Oh, yeah. You know, the season just. So if you, could, if you could pick, like, whatever state and you can hunt whatever you wanted, what would you do? I'd probably pick Montana or Wyoming for sure. Oh, yeah. I like your style. I like it. What do you, you'd hunt ducks, I'm assuming? Yeah, for sure. Mallards. I so there's another podcast. I don't know if you ever heard it, but it's called the Pulling Feathers Podcast, and they run a, a guide service out there, and they all they like exclusively hunt like small water, and yeah. that's that's how I grew up hunting. But it was like a warm water slough here in Nebraska, and like I I've been itching to get back up to like I well. I've been itching to go to Wyoming to hunt divers on the Big River because it it's like wide but it's shallow. Mm-hmm. And then I've also yeah. wanted to hunt like ducks on on the little water too. You will see me hunt the Snake River before I die. You sure? Yep. Oh, for sure. That's bang. true. If we always talk <laughs> about <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, I'll just sort of bang, bang, Jeremy. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Uh, but well, there you go, buddy. I I I've really wanted it. Wyoming's a big one. Montana's a really big one for me. For sure. Because I want to also, sure. I want to get up there in Canada hunt just so I can say I Canada hunted in another, like, another state. Yeah. Yeah. That would be cool. And, like, be able to look at the mountains and pile some geese up. I know you're going to hate For this. Sure. But did you see the quill that Matt shot in Wyoming with those guys? Uh, I believe so. Thing's got, like, a completely white belly and, like, a white face. So you got to. A little little information. So Matt Matt's a, a guy that we talk to quite a bit, and we're buddies with him, and he hunts out in, like, west-west Nebraska. And, like, this year, like, when we say the ducks split us and went west, like, he piled them up. This guy, him personally, him personally shot 74 Drake Mallards this year, if yeah. that tells you anything. Jeez. And it's like we see his post, and it just, like, breaks our heart, and like, oh, cool, like, 
Maybe we should just stop following him because no, it's gonna get worse for you <laughs> because I want to get him on the podcast. Well, hey, I'm a, I, I just need to message him. I just haven't. And what I want to talk about is finding ducks. And I know you say it's not high pressured out there, but where he hunts, I think it's pretty high pressured. Mm-mm. I was talking with somebody at work today about how the fact they go out there and hunt ducks. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I I have hunted in western Nebraska and I've hunted in eastern Nebraska. And I tell you. The attitude of the ducks out there, they are pressured. But when you get into a hole they want to be in, they, I, they are dumb. But Eastern Nebraska, if you get where they want to be, they can. They still look at you and they're still skittish. I will agree to that. I 100% agree Boom. to that. You, I will give you that. Because when I go out west, if I get where they want, man, you don't, there's some days you don't even have to call them. They just drop in the decoys. See, that's the thing is like, okay, so you go down to where Andrew's at. Andrew, just curious, how do your do- your ducks respond? Do they like to respond to call very well, or are they just kind of mosey around? It's it's honestly changed. The, the, the gadwalls and the spoonbills, they used to just come in basically to anything. The teals still do. And uh, I don't know, they kind of just, in the rice fields, they'll circle, they'll work. And then when you're in the marsh, they're kind of just, they'll work a little bit, but they're kind of just coming from anywhere. Mallards, mallards, just a mallard. They work the best for sure, but the pennies get the pennies will work you forever, but everything else kind of just comes. I hate pintails. I'm just gonna be honest. I hate those ducks. Uh, we had a group that like did it perfect this this year, and it was it was cool. Don't get me wrong, but screw those birds. I'd yeah, but that over that same group of birds that did it perfect for us. I'm pretty sure it's the same group of birds that like three days earlier you and me watched circle us for 25 minutes. Poo on those birds. <laughs> <laughs> they are a pain in the ass. I'm not gonna lie, but yeah, this year we definitely we definitely got lucky. I don't know why. I guess they just liked what we had our setup wise. But the days that we were shooting them, we were getting flocked to like at least hundred to two hundred coming. <laughs> Ow! Like that. That's a pain in my own heart. Like I don't even think I see. Cool. Don't get me wrong. That's really cool. I don't even think I saw that many pintails this year. And usually. No. I did. you one of the videos. See, all the all the pintails came through when I was in Colorado. Yeah, there was a day I went out with our buddy. We talked about Brad, and him and I went out on a during the morning, and like we saw we saw quite a few flocks of big like big wads of pintails. But man, they did not stick around. Mm-hmm. The problem is like those pintails will migrate in that area, and there's like most of the majority of the water is on public land that's been pumped. There's a few like farm ponds around there, but they just get pressured so hard that yeah. they, they get there for a day or two, and then they just get blasted, and they just keep going south. They yeah. just bye bye. I mean, they just they just don't have any resting spots. So it's like, you know, it's that's exactly what happens. But that's kind of the biggest problem with where I hunt. There's just so much pressure now, and no resting areas for them. I'm just Nothing cu- in there. I'm curious. The guide in Arkansas kept saying this, and I. Thought he was kind of full of crap, but he kept saying that birds are going nocturnal. What's what's your experience with that? I don't know if it's just me getting older and paying attention to it, but like I didn't pay too much attention, but I feel like almost every day that I went out to hunt this season, I didn't even need my headlamp because the moon was just beaming. Hmm. So you think, and I don't know if you think it's more change, of a moon phase thing. I guess so. I guess it's more of just I feel like I'm paying more attention to it. Maybe I don't know, but it seems like 
I'm noticing that I can just see better in the mornings and I'm just instantly thinking like, dang, if I can see like this well right now, I bet you they can see 10 times better than me. Yeah. Yeah, there was a day we went out and we went goose hunting. It was re- it was really warm and it was a, I would say a crap show, but it was a mud show because we had just gotten some snow. <laughs> but uh, we get out there and he's like, oh, I swear they've been in here. I swear they've been in here. I'm like, I was sitting there thinking like it's really warm and started thinking some more. I was like, uh, last night was a full moon, wasn't he? He's like, oh, crap. And it's like, right, like, we're probably like 10, 15 minutes before shooting time, and we finally see our first flock of geese. And it was like, yep, they all fed forever last night and went back to the roost. I was going to say, I've heard them feeding on a full moon. Oh, yeah. Like, for sure, especially heavily pressured birds, they'll do that 100%. And then they'll just find some random hole somewhere that they know they can't get bothered. Yep. But. I definitely don't know. I mean, I don't know. People always talk about like when they feed and they feed more when it's cold and all that stuff. But I mean, like just this, the last week in the season, we were out there and we just sat on the levee and we're watching a whole bunch of birds in the field next to us. I mean, it's 70 degrees and they're just sitting there all day from sun up to we left at noon, just eating all day, 70 outside. I think they just eat all the time. I don't know if maybe they're just taking advantage of the, like, you know, the opportunity to feed at night if they're actually getting smarter or what, but. I don't know. I th- I would say so. I think they they would feed at night. I think with the my experience with geese is it it really. It, I I mean, obviously, you probably haven't had that experience down south, but like the big issue we have is if we get some big cold. Say we have some big cold front. It's like say our normal January temperatures like a low of teens or twenties and like middays like upper thirties, forties. You know, I would say that's a natural January day, but say we get a cold front in it really dumps the temperatures there's a lot of times that those geese will just they just won't eat the next day they'll just hang out in the roost and do nothing now yeah. if it's a if it, it is different if there's snow and it completely changes the game if we got like say three to say six to eight inches of snow like it's a game changer because like their availability to food is is a huge struggle so I think that's the other thing. Talking about availability of food, do you think that your guys' change of farming practices into more of a sugarcane state has like affected the migration into certain areas? I definitely think so because like the area for Ireland, I mean, it's perfect example. There's not really any rest area out there. There's just rice and sugarcane, and a lot of rice is becoming sugarcane. And I just think the mix of less less variety i guess you could say and then more pressure i think it's just pushing them to certain areas that they might come they might still be coming to the same area but they're not staying there like they normally would they're pushing out quicker that would i mean that makes a lot of sense i hate to say it but because i mean realistically they find the food and that's that's a big thing and because, I mean, even, say, 20 years ago, pretty much everything in Louisiana was rice, wasn't it? Uh, I'm not too sure, but if I had to guess, probably so. I think sugarcane definitely just gotten more popular recently. What is, like, what's the case for that, just crop pricing? Yeah, for sure. It's, you can make a way better profit off of that than rice. <laughs> Dang greedy farmers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I got to make a living somehow, too. They might make millions, but... <laughs> I mean, I don't blame them. 
they don't make as much release in dark blinds. That's their decision to make. I mean, I would say that that's what I would do, but I wouldn't because I'd be farming for ducks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> we got a buddy uh, that's a farmer up here, and we're we're in a, like an, the spot he's got his farm as kind of like an awkward area, and one of my buddy keeps like trying to talk to him about flooding his cornfield, and it's just like, uh, I don't know, man. It's just, it's not really in a flyway. It's just kind of up in a hole, and like there are a lot of ducks that kind of, ish in that area depending on the year but i don't know i don't know it's one of those things you got to be in a flyaway mm-hmm. some more ducks are going to be at and they'll f- i mean they'll find it but i just don't know if it'll be getting up opportunity he's just the area that he's in it's just it's too close to the river and the birds stick to the river i don't know not necessarily i mean they they are they stick in the river because it's been warm this year Majority of the time, those birds are in the quarry because it, everything else is froze up. Well, I'm ta- I'm talking ducks. Well, that's me too. Really? Yeah. I mean, they. I mean, they'll hit that quarry, and I mean, they also so like moving farther north. They hit a. There's a quarry over there too. They all pile into. Oh, is there? But like this year, uh, it's weird, man. They like kind of like I the nocturnal thing. Talking about that a little bit, like. Majority of times I've seen the ducks, it's like you'll see them just to appear out of nowhere as soon as shooting time's over, mm-hmm. and they are there's thousands, like yeah. umpteen thousands, yeah. just like you know, tornadoing around hitting that field. But it's weird because I mean, those birds have been sitting in quarry, and they like no one's been hunting them for weeks, mm-hmm. presumably. I mean, there's two or three groups out of there and out that direction, and no one's hunting them. We all hunt for geese. We shoot ducks if they show up and it's season, but it's just kind of weird. That's just how they are. Yeah, whenever whenever we were up in Kansas, it was kind of the same thing. We, I guess you could say, we watched them like feed at night firsthand. They, uh, we were with we were with my friend that guides over at CBI, and we were by one of their properties, and it's next to a refuge, and we passed by the refuge to get there, and you could see all the birds just rafted up in the water. As soon as that sun set and that moon came out, they just came back and hit the cornfield we were watching. It was probably just six or 7,000 of them pouring in the corn. I said this to my buddies a couple weeks ago. I was like, you know what? Sometimes government agencies are awesome just because they they keep everybody in line for most of the you know, most part. But, like, it's hard to have a law on something that's wild and, like, thinking if we didn't necessarily have the laws that we have, <laughs> the opportunities we would get. <laughs> Not that they would be right, but the opportunities we could have. Like I, For sure. The amount of countless days that we could have killed a limit of Canada's, even like 10 minutes after shooting time, is it's it's hard to think about. <laughs> Honestly, it's always kind of surprised me that geese isn't like, I know they've moved to snows. It's thirty minutes after now. Just don't get for me conservation. Started. Don't, like, don't give me that's started a, on that's that. probably a whole other podcast. That I didn't know that this season. <laughs> it's man, if it if the amount of days I've been out and it's like end of shooting time, you're unloading your gun, and there's like okay, so good example. The other night we shot we shot fifteen. And we're getting out of the blind, and we had just gotten into group like five minutes early, so we're getting geese in and getting them all piled up and start piling up decoys and stuff. And 
No, I, not joking. Like, five Candas are, like, all... They're locked up to come in, and we're all just still picking up decoys. We look over, and they're, like, 20 yards, like, hovering. It's like... Oh, yeah. <sighs> Why you gotta be that guy? <laughs> they just know. They know, man. So if you got, like, even, like, 20 minutes, say, like, 20 minutes after shooting time, that'd be the sauce. Yeah. I mean, they'd probably... Oh, yeah. They'd figure it out. Yeah. But. Yeah, they'd figure it out for sure. But it Start is what flying it is. later. <laughs> well, I don't... I, that's all I got, unless you have some questions for him. I only had one more question about Mallard Bay. Um, I wasn't, and uh, I'm not trying to like poke at potential issues with it because it's just my curiosity. Do you guys ever run into issues with like overbooking? No, so we have it set up to where you can overbook. Okay. Whenever you like the way it works is whenever you have a profile, you basically have an account too. Uh-huh. So like we offer to set it up for most guys, but the way it was built was for them to be able to do it themselves. Like any outfitter, just hop on the website and go through, make their account, set everything up. And whenever we do it for them, we just send them the login and they have the, I guess you say the same access to the back end as us. Mm-hmm. And when someone books a hunt, they have to approve it. They get a notification through their email and our apps being built right now. So eventually it'll just come to your phone and you either accept it or decline it. So that's the only way that the booking can go through. Okay. I think I do actually have another question. Sorry. Um, when you say, say you're booking a caribou hunt for like next year, would you normally have to book the full fee like up front and you pay their deposit and then you figure it out afterwards? You have a, you have two options. You can either pay a 50% deposit or you can pay it in full. And when you do the 50%, you do 50% up front and then the other 52 days before you get there. Okay. (laughs) That makes sense then. I might have to book. A car- I might have to book a caribou. Better not be booking one without me. Oh, he's got like he makes it really tempting too. He's got all the information about it, and he has it like set up to where like you know you can get like a credit card for like a flight company. He's oh. got it set up. He's got it in the description where like if you do it, you can get the flight for like ninety dollars. Why you gotta do that, man? My wife is gonna kill me. I'm about to buy some snow goose decoys. Don't tell her that either, but (laughs) you know know what? I'm not going to, I don't like to say I agree with Terrell on some things, but earlier he told me earlier this week, he's been hounding me like, Hey, you're single. Enjoy it. And I'm like, I'm going to enjoy it. (laughs) You ain't wrong. (laughs) So my wife and I are in the process of building a house and all of, all of my funds have been going that direction. Being married. Yeah, not, (laughs) but I guess I never asked you what what uh, college do you go to. I go to LSU. I, say, I thought he said LSU. What What's your thoughts on Ed being fired? Uh, I mean, I I think he was a good coach. I don't know why he was getting so much backlash. I like him, but I mean, I think LSU needed to rebuild. I like where we're going. Who yeah. Who did they hire? Uh, Brian Kelly. Yeah, Brian from Kelly Day. from Notre Dame. Oh yeah, I was given so like. Obviously, Husker football is a big deal around here, and I like. I'm not gonna lie. I I'm I'm not on the frost train. I never really was. I thought there was a lot of coaches that could have definitely been there instead of him. But like, I was giving some some lady crap, and I was like, these are all the coaches that have been successful since even you know they were hired like the same year that Scott Frost was, and he's just a train wreck. But oh, I'm gonna like, get a lot of backlash. I liked on that. his recruiting classes here. He did really well, in my opinion. 
I think... And he focused on the offense, which I think we needed to do, but... Don't get me wrong. He's made a lot of positive steps. I will give him that. Like, there's a lot of positive things that he did, but, like, especially with the assistant coaches and the recruiting, but the the proof's in the pudding, man. I, no, I, this for me, like, actually, last year was probably his last year in my mind, but I'm not surprised they gave him another year. Yeah, me either, but... What uh, I that's the hard part about being in the, like this Super Bowl next this this year is Man, that you, you said it before me. Ha ha. <laughs> so I'm a Rams fan, and I I've been I'm not a huge NFL guy. I've been on and off, and like kind of watch, but I've always like since like the 2000s when the Rams were good. I've always just been a fan since then. I was started as a bandwagon, then just stayed on the wagon, even though they were horrible <laughs> for a while. But like it's it's really hard the Super Bowl with oh. Big Joe, D. <laughs> Joe Swish, yes, D. Big D Joe. <laughs> he's a man. He is fine. I I feel like he's like a uh, like a hero in Louisiana. Basically, he so, was. Basic. You know, you know, he was supposed to be a hero in Nebraska, but somebody up top decided he was not worth our time. Just don't. Mm. Uh huh. Yeah. No. I mean, his was dad. It, his dad it, played for Nebraska. Was it Mike Riley or who was it? I think it was Mike Riley. Oh, he's. But he was. A, he was an idiot. So. He's a pudding pop. He's a. But no, I. How like, because the Huskers have been so bad, man. It it felt good to watch LSU just pumble everyone, and then. It was sweet. That was a that was my freshman year, so it was, it was perfect. I mean, it was awesome. Did you go to any of the games? Oh yeah, we went to all the home games, and uh, the that was the national championship was in New Orleans. That's just like a little over an hour from here, so we were there for that. I can only imagine the party afterwards. Oh man, like the ridiculousness of that town. Yeah, New Orleans is already pretty ridiculous, and then yeah, do you ever go down there for Mardi Gras? Yeah, yeah, we do. What's what? I mean, what is it like? I mean, honest, I've been to New Orleans, but I can only imagine. It's just a big. It's pretty much just a big party just in the middle of the street. See, that's the thing. From what it seems like, you can just, like, get alcohol anywhere, and, like, (laughs) it's just all going on in the street. Yeah, it's basically what's up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I feel like it'd be fun, but also slightly terrifying to go down there because, I don't know. Yeah, but everybody's cool. Everybody's just trying to party. Yeah. Yeah. This Nebraska boy freaks out about big towns. <laughs> I'm sorry. I grew up in like small town Nebraska. Yeah, like like <laughs> crowds, it's not. They're not me, man. I've just never been that way. I'd rather be in. I'd rather be in a, a, a marsh or a pond or on a field shooting something. That's me. Yeah, we get the best of both down here. But, well, I appreciate your time. Thanks for taking an hour of your day and want to talk to us. Um, I guess. Yeah, for sure. If you ever are coming this way, let us know. I'd be glad to take you out. I mean, we hunt September to April. Well, now it's looking like May because Jeremy's trying to get me to go turkey hunting. We ain't trying. It's happening. It's, he's trying. You know what? No, no, no. I got to ask. Andrew, you turkey hunt? I do not. I've never been, but oh, I'd like to get into it. Get into it. You'll love it. I definitely think this year is going to be the year I try. I know Louisiana. I've always heard Louisiana is a hard state, but, you know. If you can find them, you ever need tips, feel free to hit us up somewhere. I'll get you some sure. tips. Jeremy's the turkey. He's the turkey king. I wouldn't say I'm a turkey king, but I do like to do it. I do know a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> oh boy. Well, like I said, if you're ever up here, let us know. We'll get you on something. I don't know, depending on the year. So I actually, I, I've, that's one of the states like I want to at least try because like that's a big thing about Louisiana is there's just there's so much history down there that that part of it really that's my attraction to that like that state and that, sure. that type it's of definitely unique. it's definitely unique i love it and maybe i'll try to ride around and like run into the robertsons I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is <laughs> i'm sorry i would love ah uh, dude if i met phil robertson i would geek out i would freak out that'd be awesome to hunt with them that legit have you ever like even like ran into any of them down there? No, they live like Monroe's way north of where I'm yeah, at for sure. I, I've never run into them. Mm. I'm just curious. Uh, <laughs> well, sounds good, buddy. Uh, appreciate it, and uh, thanks for stopping on. Uh, you want to shout out your social medias before we get going? <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Uh, thanks for having me on. Our uh, our Instagram is just at Mallard Bay. You should be able to find us. We, uh, we're trying to get the blue check because we got a lot of fake accounts with just Mallard Bay underscore. And then uh, my personal Instagram is Andrew Gregory with two W's. All right, buddy. Go ahead. I'll, I'm going to sign us off. Just go ahead and stay on the line for a minute. For sure. All right, everybody. Appreciate you uh, listening to the Big Red Hunters podcast. Um, I hope you guys have a good finish to your season. And uh, looking forward to snow goose and turkey season. All right, everybody. Have a good night. Thank you.